Bringing back old favorites in the fashion you never wanted, it's V'ger Please. A heinous trip at Warp 5, my name is Joseph. And I'm Ron Howard's other brother, Peter. Before we talk about any episode of Enterprise, we got a few announcements slash updates that we want to provide our audience. Number one is that Peter and I have recorded our uh, Patreon-exclusive episode that is a review of Star Trek Generations, which is the first TNG-related specific review we have done, despite having done 200-plus episodes of the show, which is a bit of a momentous occasion. By the time this episode comes out, that will be available on our Patreon. Uh, And still on our Patreon, still exclusive to our patrons, is our Tank Girl review, something that may remain exclusive to Patreon forever. Uh, To quote one of our patrons who listened to it, it was like hearing two men talk about this terrible dream they had. I don't know if that's fit for everyone else to necessarily consume, but if that would interest you, if a review of of Star Trek Generations would interest you, and some of the other bits and pieces that we've put on there over over the years would be of interest to you, a few dollars gets you full access to everything. We're not greedy. We're not greedy. You know what? And if you're someone you want to bounce in for a couple months, slide us like six bucks and be like, I've got my fun and bounce. I will not judge you. <laughs> I totally understand. Oh, they could burn binge us. I like that. You know what? It's a it's a tired and true Patreon, <laughs> uh, you know, tactic. Uh, we just we really appreciate the assistance in making sure we're keeping the the uh, the podcast bills paid without dipping into our, our pocketbooks too deep. So. Uh, we like doing some extra stuff to to thank everybody for that. And so that extra stuff will be available here uh, soon in my relative sense, but probably already available by the time you're listening to this. So check it out at Patreon at V'ger, please. You type in V'ger, please on in Google. You're going to find it pretty fast. We're, we're not hiding it. What if there was talk about the mission patch stickers? Maybe we should do like mail out stickers for. Ooh, uh, I like that. Yeah, Kevin was talking about doing that, and he wants to do mission patch stickers, and we definitely gave him our blessing. Maybe we can, maybe we can get like a, a, a an order of them that we can supply specifically to patrons. I, I like, like that. Yeah, I, I like, like that it. idea. All right, stay tuned. Stay tuned for some merch. <laughs> Very limited merch, <laughs> and you could vandalize things at your favorite bar and put our fucking star trek podcast i'll i'll do my i'll vandalize my bars i like it someone that probably wouldn't vandalize a bar are the the two talented musicians responsible for our theme song we haven't brought them up in a little bit ian and sarah thank you once again every time i edit this podcast i still chuckle when i i'm you know making sure that the sound mix is right on the on the intro just absolute perfection. So every time you hear that bad recorder beat at 30 seconds, that perfect, that perfect dip, that is the fine work of Ian and Sarah. I dare say that our intro rivals that of Peacemaker. It is unskippable. You must watch it, must listen to it. You must live through it. It is. You know, I actually started skipping through Peacemaker's intro after the fourth time. So I would Mm -hmm. say ours is better. Because you're dead inside and a miserable person. But fairly accurate. That's the charm of the show. (laughs) Fairly accurate. And then lastly, there uh, I did another review of Strange New Worlds with uh, Jonathan Morris, JK, uh, someone I did some some podcasting with a few weeks ago, and just wanted to say shout out thanks to him for having me on. It was really fun discussion. 
And you and I are looking forward to having him on, on our show. We haven't figured out the exact uh, uh, parameters and, and date yet, but uh, JK is, does a fantastic Voyager season eight audio drama. And we, since we obviously are Voyager lifers due to uh, the content true. we've done, um, we're very interested in talking to him in depth about it. So we're going to make that happen here at some point. But if you're interested, Star Trek Reverie is the the location on, on his uh, podcasting platform where you can find he and I's discussions. And I've uh, put those links into Discords and Facebooks and Twitters. So if you connect to us at all on social media, you can find it. All of that shilling and reminding out of the way, Peter, what... Did we watch this week? We watched season one, episode nine, teen acquisition. And Joe, I would like to open uh, with a rule of acquisition. That was something we used to close out back in our early Voyager days. Yeah, before we ran out. <laughs> season one, episode 19, acquisition. And as once upon a time, we used to end our podcasts with rules of acquisition. I would like to offer a rule of acquisition to start rule of acquisition number 126 humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return (laughs) that's not a rule of acquisition that's the law of equivalent exchange joe and we have gotten so much from star trek enterprise and now is the time to truly pay the fucking piper holy shit and i quote Bram Branagh. I I knew you were going to go here immediately. (laughs) There's no excuse for the Frankie. No excuse. That was an act of desperation. I hated it. In case you were wondering if Bram Branagh is asleep at the wheel or has had some sort of a terrible head injury and is just not a real person anymore, here is explicit proof that there's something good rattling around in his head. Real talk like that coming out of Memory Alpha completely unheard of he knew he knew he knew this was a bad fucking idea (laughs) and they did it anyway so many good episodes and and not great or amazing episodes but it's been consistently good and up to this point i'd say the low ports have been shuttle pod one which by the way is still winning as uh a bad episode on the trauma support group shut up and then uh trips hand nipple or wrist nipples right which was hokey, but not. It was truly it was amusingly bad, but not terrible. Yeah, I, th- I think there was another one that I was saying was I, I didn't really care for either. But they weren't like bad, bad. But this is bad, bad, bad. This is so, a, a phenomenon you have never been exposed to. So true. Die hard, seen it all Trek fans knows exactly what this is. This is a DS9 Ferengi episode. So you may not have ever seen one, Peter, but you may have heard of the infamous DS9 Ferengi episodes and how they are consistently the worst entries of that entire show. They seem out of place. They are this weird attempt at... Uh, a comic relief that never works no matter how many times they try to do it. And it descends into weird buffoonery uh, to try and make 
a comedic I sort thought of the Frankie were good in DS9. I thought that was the whole thing was like Frankie or they are good. But Ferengi episodes is a specific, like t- capital mm. F, capital E, is a is a trope that developed that fans identified of like that's a Ferengi episode with the words capitalized, and that is what this is. So Ferengi, Burman era past next gen Frank now because there was never really a next gen one next gen like even the Ferengi later on mm. in next gen were like were were pretty kind of fucking jokey even hell even the battle they were sort of already bullshit now season one Ferengi are a great side dish but you cannot eat mashed potatoes for dinner that is correct they have to be a complimentary part of the plate they cannot be the entire they cannot be the entree and that's they fall into they fell into that pit repeatedly in DS9 it's obviously the this is the only time they're going to fall into this pit in Enterprise and boy, did they try, man. They got three top flight guest stars. What is going on with that, too? I mean, you got Clint Howard, which I saw that name flash up on the screen. I was like, what? <laughs> Jeff Combs in there. Yeah. Ethan Phillips. Yeah. Look at how they massacred my boy, Joe. <laughs> at least. At least he gets to to slap around trip with the uh, with the electric whip. That's like the only cool thing that happens in the whole episode as he like one shots trip with the uh, with the with the uh, uh, was was it episode two of TNG uh, Ferengi whip. The yeah, the 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 pain whip I or the stun whip, I believe. Is what stun it was. whip. Yeah. I know Ethan Phillips is a joker and he's he's a funny guy, but there's a great actor in there, too. Does he only sign up for like the hammy roles? Do they actually hate him and they only cast him for like the miserable tons of makeup roles? Did they see him in False Prophets as he portrayed the Nagus proxy? And they're like, oh, my God, he's perfect we must bring him in for another finger like well he he played a ferengi on tng he played dr ferrick so like he's got a history of playing and and jeff combs has a history as well he played brunt who's a uh a ferengi reoccurring character on ds9 auditor or something yeah I, why all the serious guest stars roles you know oh my planet's dying Oh, so just just the good ones, the ones you can really sink your teeth in. Oh, I'm a reformed space murderer and please help. whatever. Why, why can't they put Ethan Phillips into that? And I saw greatness in him. In Neelix, I, I would love it if they do bring him back in Enterprise again, and it's just a human guy with some good, deep drama where I know he can flourish. But this fucking shit. Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry you had to go through this. I really am. I it I, was within your power to say we're going to skip this one. Trust it me. was, and I chose not to exercise that power because let's face it, these are the best episodes for us to talk about. I don't your know. Your suffering is a key comedic element to the yep. chemistry we have. Speaking of key comedic element, the slow pan down over the Frangie's head where it looks like a penis coming into focus. <laughs> As uh, we get, I don't know, probably a good five minutes of Ferengi's 
raiding a derelict enterprise that is adrift in space. Speaking 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Was that 12 minutes without any English? Did, did you actually have sound uh, subtitles? I did. I checked to see if there was any translation. There is not. I, I turned out just said computer beeping. I was like, all right, we'll play it like that. <laughs> yeah, I I was watching it on Paramount Plus. So, you know, if there's going to be an authoritative. I was, I was not. There's going to be authoritative subtitles for the Ferengi speech. It was going to be there and there was nothing. It opens with these these Ferengi jabronis rolling up in a hoopty, finding an NX-01 where everyone is knocked the fuck out. And by the way, several people do not appear in this episode essentially at all except as unconscious bodies. There is zero dialogue from... Uh, Phlox, Hoshi, Mayweather, or Reed. None of them have a line in this episode. And you see their unconscious bodies, and that is that is it. I said, gosh, whenever the last time Shran was around, <clears throat> he, you know, Jeff Combs uh, may as well just be a main cast member. This guy is getting... <laughs> way more dialogue way more juicy shit even if it's fucking stupid slapstick garbage like this than Mayweather Uh, I mean Reed has had a couple focus pieces but even Hoshi's fading into the background Uh, I would be fucking pissed if I was like quote unquote main cast uh, and and having consecutive episodes where I'm pushed away (laughs) you might as well be the EMH in the early episodes of Voyager where they just turned his ass off the last episode that we reviewed was the one where Archer simps for the slug. I don't believe Mayweather had any kind of part of that, really. By the way, real quick, I want to clarify. I, I was calling the Pokemon down on that dark planet. Mr. Mime, I think it was actually the Pokemon Ditto. That's the shapeshifter. That's, yeah, you called it Mimic, so you were just made... You, you described what it was, but not correctly identified the exact po- Pokedex entry. I knew what you meant, but yeah, it's definitely a ditto. I agree. But Mayweather wasn't in that episode. Mayweather was not at all in the episode af- before that, which was Fusion, the Vulcan Hellraiser. You know, part of that. Do you think that they figured out that he sucks and that's why he is not in front of the camera? Uh, Or do you think they had known from the beginning this is going to be a marginal character and will always be a here and there guy? Well, they write these scripts, you know, one after another. You know, some are done when they start producing. Some get finished as the season, you know, is wrapping up. But they're already sort of the ideas are out there. I doubt there was a ton of middle of the first season course correction on someone like Mayweather, where they're like, we have to fucking bail this guy out of, you know, being a main focus of anything because the actor we picked sucked. And I Uh, think, too, like we had said before, if they knew immediately, like. This guy is not a great actor and it's taking many, many takes to get the scenes we ultimately end up using. And even those scenes are not good that they would have killed them off and, and brought his sister or another 
to something in to replace him that accomplishes what he is supposed to be uh, and done so better. So maybe, again, just the executive team's full of their own shit and they don't realize what they're doing is bad. Hard to know. Hard to know. What we do know is in this particular dog shit episode, Mayweather is doesn't have a line and that's probably for the best for him. Let's face it. No one is well served by being part of this. I, I'm going to get the plot pen out right now. In, in my version of this, Mayweather knows exactly who these guys are and like where Archer and Trip are completely buffooning around and like being silly butts and, and, and prancing about the ship with them. Mayweather just goes fucking psychotic and starts breaking necks and slitting throats and treating these guys like rabid dogs and says, no, the, the, you always kill universe, the alternate universe where Mayweather is a grizzled space veteran and some no, kind not of- grizzled space veteran. This is like happy smile. I'm happy to be here, Mayweather. Just sw- flips and be like, <laughs> "Fucking kill you don't, you fuckers. don't give Frankie an inch, and always spit on their graves before you space them." And everybody's just like, "Whoa, dude!" It's like, no. <laughs> it's like I've seen things, I've done things. <laughs> <laughs> no Suddenly- mercy for space slavers. This is how they treated. This is trucker justice. You know, they're they're panning over to the Frankie ship, which. Here's their ultra clever tactic for this episode. It's they never actually say the words Ferengi. Yeah, that's their actual justification for breaking what is clearly previously established canon about first contact with Ferengi. It's absolute bullshit. You tell me by the end of this, Enterprise has regained control of by Starfleet, and they have the entire crew stand there and frog march these guys back and forth to their ship to unload all the shit they stole, which has to take hours and at no point does archer think to say who are you guys exactly where are you from what's your deal what's your species name or even that you would need to because even if the vulcans and humans have never encountered frankie which is what is implied and i i can believe that they had never encountered them before that they would have all this information about whether they look what they look like they can speak their language they have this like cultural information that they're very like mercantile focused blah 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 and that they never between this moment and the 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 moment that they're encountered at the battle of maxia ever have any interaction with anyone who knows who they are like the entirety of the like tos era no one has a conversation where they're like, "Oh yeah, those are Ferengi. We ran. We know that's that's what that's who that is. Everyone knows who they are. They're the only ones like this in the galaxy." Like, I'm over here shaking what, my head. Just stupid. That's what that's what breaks the kayfabe for me. Like, not getting the name here doesn't mean that over the course of essentially the next fucking century, no one would tell Starfleet or the Federation writ large as they admit all of these planets and all of this, and they're building this big, you know, democratic space empire that someone's like, Oh yeah, we know who they are. Yeah. They're real big in commerce and trade. Yeah. Someone's going to fucking know because someone's done fucking deals with them. Uh, so they're showing the Ferengi ship though. And that was the cool part was the captain starts talking in Ferengi. And I was like, Oh shit. I know this voice. Oh yeah. I was, I was so happy for a brief moment before I saw that it was going to be a complete waste of time and running this guy's talent through the fucking mud. But yeah, there's Ethan Phillips 
uh, like a good boy, I watched the intro, atoning punishment for uh, the misuse of bottle episode. I refuse to atone until Jack accepts the role we have put forward to him and judges if it is necessary. I'm like, I understand you decided not to appeal. I'm I'm appealing to the to the uh, potential space hag. Yeah, I'm a pa- yeah the the space hag. I am appealing. I am not taking that L. Not yet. I think my least fit. The part I hate the most of the intro is where they show the the HMS Enterprise and like the screens till just such bad editing. I hope they use that intro as like a what not to do in some college class somewhere from a visual standpoint. It certainly scarred enough people who are probably in that line of work that that's why you don't see them that bad anymore. Did not someone scar- made someone made the Daredevil opening after seeing that and be like, oh, the exact <laughs> fucking opposite." Did not scare them uh, into the dangers of space. The next scene we get is the interior shot of the Enterprise airlock, and there's a warning. Uh, danger airlock opens to space and this warning label is like i don't know the the the, the warning label on a box of twinkies that it's gonna give you diabetes or whatever it's like a band-aid on the store i would think that the exterior airlock door should be like hazard orange and yellow and like i don't Big know old label it says this goes to the void skull <laughs> like- and crossbones but again in Starfleet, it hasn't crossed anybody's mind that, hey, I might get sucked out into space and die. Yeah, it certainly didn't occur to Reed. <laughs> so the first act of this is st- still everyone talking in Frankie. So there's not a lot to talk about, except they're on the ship. Everyone's passed out. Clearly, there's some kind of machine and engineering that seems to be giving off some kind of gas that knocked everybody out. That, Did you know that, that the walls of Enterprise are all made out of I don't know, styrofoam and rubber. And that yeah. for all these people that have fallen asleep mid stride and everybody's like laying with their head up against what appears to me to look like sharp 90 degree angle uh, steel corners, not a nick cut bruise. No one fell into their face first into a fire. No one fell into the warp core. No one fell over a railing. Everyone had a very comfortable place. No to million dollar babies. Here. Not a a single broken neck anywhere. Lots of faces in the food. Uh, If you love yuck, yuck, honeymooners style. Gosh, no. Honeymooners is like way better comedy quality than this. Like (laughs) to the moon, Alice. I don't know. Uh, Maybe we'll just chalk this up to like hee haw grade comedy. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 not good. And and it's all being done with essentially no dialogue except trip being by himself in the decon chamber, no one answering his comms and then opens it up and he's like, you know, going around in his tank top and underwear doing his best uh, under siege, trying to figure out what's going on. And the, in the process and not trying to wake a single fucking person up. He checks a few pulses, but he doesn't even like give him the, the cursory shake. Like, Hey, wake up. Doesn't try. No. You're right. He doesn't he doesn't like throw cold water on someone. There's no process of elimination of like, can I actually awaken these people? He no just immediately assumes that there is some sort of medical thing that has occurred that has knocked everyone out. And also what is not explained is that apparently this gas, the moment they turn it off, it apparently evaporates entirely from Enterprise because Trip comes out and is unaffected. They take their little respirators off. Yeah. 
and they're immediately unaffected. And they begin stealing everything in the ship that is not bolted down, but is no, no, even stuff that's bolted down, like the chair in front of the br- in front of the con- the con. That sh- I enjoy when I get to see the things people are sitting on, like what Paris was actually sitting on at the helm for Voyager. The one for Enterprise looks miserable. It is the cheapest, shittiest office chair you can buy from 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 Staples. Right. The one that doesn't have real thing to sit on. It's just a stretched yeah, piece it, of mesh. Yeah, it's just mesh. That's ugh. But then it's on when you hate your employees. <laughs> and then. I've bought many of those chairs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it's like got this terrible track it's on, like a dog leash almost. Mm-hmm. So you and know, all the other one. shit around. Yeah. And yeah, the Frankies take the time to steal a fucking chair. The dedication plaque, and- bad torpedoes, random like shit they find laying around sick bay. Pieces of pie that they just throw into a bag. And if it was a one here and there gag, that'd be one thing. But it's minutes. It's fucking minutes of this. They throw all those like bio samples tubes into the bag. And it's like, bro, Flax does some real gross shit. You might have just gotten that like fucking genetic disease he refused to cure. For all you <laughs> fucking know. Like, that seems like a real wild choice. Here's how you pay this one off for whatever clown episode this is like next season. These friggy got to come back over and they're just covered in a fucking plague. And they're like, what did you do to us? And did they you, find out that while they refer to uh, the Dear Doctor episode in the Vulcan, dialogue. Vulcans, yeah. The, do I look like a men or whatever? And that was a cool part of uh, that episode was that Fringy had made contact. And it just lands lends further credence. It's ridiculous that nobody knows who these guys are. All the time they spent with the Vulcarians uh, and Dear Doctor and no for the Starfleet vessel out there trying to catalog new experiences, new alien races and explore two consecutive misses on these guys. And I get why they had to do it, but it's still just stupid to watch just like the rest of this episode was stupid to watch. So yeah, they're throwing fucking punch and pie in there. Eventually we get to uh, them taking Archer and waking him up with a hypo spray and doing the whole universal translator thing. So that eventually we can have dialogue in our well, episode. Now you're skipping over the obligatory moment where T'Pol gets like handled. Sexually, sexually abused. <laughs> Dude, I'm fucking mildly sexually abused. It's not an episode of Enterprise unless someone does something mildly, you know, livacious towards fucking T'Pol. I, I'm just... We're in episode 19 of season one. And I'm already at my fucking wit's end. I was listening to our uh, episode that aired yesterday, which was the uh, Vulcan, the <clears throat> Vulcan Hellraisers and just our comparison of seven of nine to DePaul. And just her constant victimization here. They find the, the, the Ferengi finder passed out. Ooh, gosh. Wow. Like they grab her, lift her up basically by the boobs, drag her over to this like to be enslaved pile. And I would say a solid fifth to a quarter of this episode is them touching her ears and sweating after her hard. I'm just. I'm over it. It's it's definitely getting to the point where it's just gross. You know, like. 
let's be perfectly blunt here. You know, you and I are not exactly the most stringent operators in the space of, you know, thou shalt not sin against the you know, public morality. We are willing to give a great deal of license to things to, you know, brush up against stuff that are, is, is perhaps a bit uh, controversial or uh, strikes some people the wrong way, as long as it's good or, or even if it's not good, if it just kind of happens incidentally or happens every once in a while, it's kind of forgivable. Who cares? Right? Like some stuff doesn't age well. Some stuff is cringe and, and that's okay. That's just part of doing business. This is to the point where even you and I are like, this is just gross and I don't want to see it anymore. Like what, what were they thinking? Like, was Rick Berman fucking Jolene Blaylock? If he was, or, why would he do this? Like, did he want to and couldn't? Like, I don't understand. Or or Bran Brower. Was someone having sex with like, oh, don't worry, baby. I'm going to get you tons of screen time. You might not love the screen time I'm giving you, but we'll make sure you get that screen. I don't I don't get it. I mean, it's like a 12 year old is writing these scripts and they have crush on Jolene Blaylock. And oh gosh, she's so pretty and she's so this. And we're gonna get the camera in there. And it's just the same fucking shit situation over and over again and just fucking gag me. It, it's I it's looked, done. I, looked, I just looked something up because I was curious trying to like understand why this keeps happening, right? Like there's gotta be a reason. And I just typed this into Google. And the release date of American Pie was July 9th, nineteen ninety-nine. This is the era of the gross out oversexed blockbuster comedy. This is it. Like this is when you get something about Mary and all of the other kind of movies that are in this strata of filmmaking. And it was very popular. These movies did super bank. Everyone knew them and they were very oversexualized and they were purposefully abusive towards their female characters. That's gotta be it. I didn't That's think gotta be it. Something about Mary was abusive towards Cameron Diaz, though. Like that, that she was put a- cum in her hair. Like that. Come on, man. Yeah, but he puts cum in his hair too. I I get that 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 it's just gross overall, but it's it's not as exactly as like targeted on specific. Here's, here's what I'll give you in this. All right. Is that there were things out there doing it and I would argue doing it much better uh, that they were doing it well. And they said, Hey, we can do that. And they tried to do it and they did a shitty job and they kept doing it shitty and it just kept getting worse and worse. Uh, and, and this, this is a result. So anyways, the, the, the fucking Frangi are living out the writer's room lust of, to Paul throughout pretty much the rest of this entire episode. And you've got Ethan Phillips, Clint Howard, some other dude and Jeff Combs as these uh, Ferengi. And the only one whose name is, I got listed here that, and and that I remember from the episode is he's like NASA nerd from uh, Armageddon. Yeah. And that's, that's Jeff Combs. character is the, the kind of cast off nerdy, Oh boy, I want to touch to Paul's fucking ears. And it's a shame because like he and Ethan Phillips do a good job portraying the characters they're asked to portray. So does Glenn Howard. Like they they go for it with what they're told to do. It's just what they're told to do sucks. You know? Fucking Clint Howard. They got him in this red velour jumpsuit. I wouldn't be surprised if this was old wardrobe for Kess. 
Yeah, it kind of had that look to it. He would look like a like a like a gentleman in that thing. It was kind of wild. But but like even with all the goofy makeup and everything else, like Clint Howard himself looks so goofy. Like <laughs> it just surpasses all the makeup. Yeah, he shows up again in Enterprise, but he doesn't have nearly as much makeup on, and he still kind of looks all fucked up. And it's like, sure, yeah, see, why are you putting him in Frankie makeup? This is much better. Um. And I had, I had the same thoughts on the episode, too. It was like, these guys, I feel very bad for everybody involved. They're all going for it hard. And I don't think maybe really anybody realized how bad it was going to look once the finished product came out. Like, while the episode is going on and these guys are just, like, cartoonishly stupid and awful, it reaches the point where it looks like it seriously can. I seriously think Archer... To Paul and Trip had a conversation off screen we never saw where they're like, let's just fuck with these guys. This is too much fun. They're terrible. had they done that, yeah, I would have saved more the respect for the episode. It might have saved the episode if you'd saw them be like, we never get to have fun like this. Let, these guys are awful. Let's just fuck with them for like the next. Did you couple see hours. that all of their guns are toys and they shoot silly string? We are or, in no danger here. Let's just I, let's just play around. Like Archer gets like thumped on by one of them right away. And what if it was like super weak is like, I've gotten a lot of head wounds over the last six months. Let me tell you, these guys hit like girls. <laughs> We've got nothing to worry about. Let's let's uh, have a laugh before we wake up everybody else. So they they drag to Paul around. They throw in there. They steal the chair. Uh, they're stealing everything. These guys seem like they're bad people yet they're not killing anybody so that's your first head scratchers like this plot's fucking dumb like they're making tons of dozens of enemies right now but no they they're not sli- murder is too far for these guys they wake up archer they archer. wear socks <laughs> yes they do they have they have uh, clever socks like that that asshole in your office who always talks about his sock collection. And we all have that. We all have that guy in our office. And you know what, Carl, no one gives a fuck about your socks. Shut up. Shut Any up. Any dumb psych gag they can do. They're doing. Am I to believe there's only five women on enterprise or is there only yeah. five women worth selling into slavery on enterprise? There was only two women on the enterprise main cast and three extras that showed up <laughs> that day. That's how many there are. Uh, they have, uh, they wake Archer up. Archer is like, what the fuck? And this is where they start talking about, yeah, we're just stealing everything and we're going to enslave your women. And uh, if you don't tell us where your vault is and they can't conceive of the idea that Enterprise doesn't have a vault. So Archer starts trying to play into their bullshit that they're Archer's like, like wait a minute, I'm chained to the wall and I'm surrounded by guys with guns. I'm starting to feel pretty sexy here. Oh, you had another opportunity to indulge my fetish of, of yeah. masochism. Hit me in the face, daddy. Hit me in the face, daddy, <laughs> Frankie. I keep meaning to sit down and count episodes. My mouth. <laughs> how many? And the blood looks so fucking fake. Just like, yeah. you know, this is the fakest blood we've seen. So Clint Howard starts hitting him with the fucking gun in the ribs. Now, you might think because you just watched these Frankie carrying around thermonuclear torpedoes with their bare hands that these guys are like some fucking strong dudes, but apparently not. They just give them a couple little tickle shots. It's enough to get Archer's dick hard. And that's all that matters. We're able to, to chalk this up as a other, another Archer gets hit 
episode. And we need to we need to actually lock down what the count of times he's gotten. I was thinking about in the car. Yeah, it, it, Enterprise is a uh, shuttlecraft accident is uh, Archer's head wounds. I test whatever. We got to count them up. <laughs> it's not getting your ass beat. It's getting your arch beat for this. There one. you go. Mm-hmm. After after they wake up Archer and he starts trying to play into these guys' obvious uh, tells, he does see that Trip is up and around and doing things. And ultimately Trip is still in his underwear without even shoes on. No guns, which I was pissed about. And they do fix that. You know, they Archer's do. like, go get a fucking gun. He's like, I can't. They stole them all along with all the pecan pie cat. And he's like, there's 14 weapons lockers. Yeah, I know they got all of them. And I know they haven't discovered this fucking piece of 24th century space technology, but go get a fucking pipe. Go get a baseball bat. <laughs> Have you seen these guys' craniums? It is obviously ripe for a concussion. Just give it to them. Go get a fork out of the mess hall. Just Anything. get a pipe. <laughs> just get get a t- get a baseball bat. <laughs> like, just fuck these dudes up. So now we enter into this part of the episode where it is just half an hour plus of asking over and over again, why are they not just beating these guys' ass? And it's exactly what you said. Like there has to be a, a reason why the crew of Enterprise has not just said. We're going to tear these guys all brand new assholes and then shoot them out into space. Because at a certain point, Archer goes, Archer starts working on. Krem is the guy's name. Jeff Combs. Jeff Combs. He's a low man on the totem pole. He's, you know, a simpleton. And Archer starts kind of manipulating him in the most longest game of fucking vampire politics I've ever seen in Star Trek, where. Goes nowhere, by the way. Goes nowhere. The guy repeatedly. Drops his gun and fumbles around with keys while Archer's standing there waiting to get fucking handcuffed. The same Archer who you might remember from um, what was the Vulcan puppet episode? Shadows of Pajem or yeah, well, Shadows or, of Pajem, where the space the- Texans capture him. And after he like face boobies to Paul, he does that fucking backwards roll guile flash kick and like blasts a guard into the next week. Yeah, he could he could clearly overpower this guy at will. Like he's sloppy with his like any time you could have just like thrown him in a chokehold. He's looking, down, grabbed his gun, he's looking at his right. shoes. He's looking down the hall. At a certain point, uh, trips there hiding around the corner. I mean, they could have strangled this guy with his own asshole. And they just never do. And it's like you said, there's there's like a missing piece of dialogue of let's play along. I want to find out what more about these guys are before we fucking put them down. Archer tells Trip like, "Hey, they woke me up in the." Shuttle bay, there's a hypo spray that they woke me up with. Go get it. Trip. Rather than wake up the fucking uh the security officer, Reed, which granted, you know, Reed's not a woman that's going to be sold into slavery, so he's not down there. Or taking in and you know, waking up flocks so flocks could heal people. He wakes up their version of a Terminatrix, you know, the Vulcans that are like crazy strong. Now, now it's three. Strong Starfleet, I'm sorry, two strong Starfleet dudes and a Terminatrix versus four little dummies. <laughs> four non-combatants. Let's just put it that way. Four, four clear non-combatants. Who, who, who go their own separate ways and argue more than the fucking Scooby-Doo gang, right? 
it would have been a 3v1 and then 3v3 easy. It's an ask of that's a suspension of disbelief that they want me to fucking buy here. You show me how good these guys can fist fight Klingons and, and space Texans and everything else. And then you get these clowns and it is false prophets all over again, where you're asking me to believe that they don't just wipe the fucking floor with these guys who have enslaved their entire crew and have like really bad plans for them. Why? Who who in the writer's room, who in the executive design office is like, these things are hilarious. Trust me, guys. The crowds love them. They're the best. Just just keep pumping these fucking clown episodes out no matter what the reviews say, because trust me, it's a winning formula. I don't know. And that, and that is the biggest mystery to me. Like, yeah, this new episode sucks because it's a Ferengi episode. Why the fuck did they think that this was a good idea? Not just because it breaks the continuity, which is already enough of a problem, like a f- super firmly established within Berman era Trek continuity. If this is not like breaking something that occurred in TOS, which I think is far more forgivable and reasonable and necessary at times because none of that was created with the intention that it was going to be part of a larger universe. So like by the, you know, strange new worlds tends to bump up against that stuff now and again, and they do a pretty good job of massaging it such that they can tell the story they want without creating too much of, a, of an issue with what came before. Right. Cause I think that's the right way to handle that, but they don't allow themselves to be chained to it. Like it's the absolute gospel. This Berman, you fucking did this. Well, I mean, I guess technically that was still Gene Roddenberry, but like you were there. Like this, this occurred on TNG. There's very firmly established, like that was first contact with the Ferengi. We, when we know the first time that they were met, it was not here and you decide to do it and you provide yourself the thinnest possible cover for doing so. And instead of having a good episode that, makes it so that it's worthwhile to go through breaking that some urgent story and great actors that you want to bring together that requires you to use Ferengi, some fantastic idea. Instead, it's the buffoonish comedy hour where you have three A plus guest stars trying the hardest they possibly can to play the worst possible characters while your main half of your main cast isn't even in the episode and the other half just seems to be fucking around for fun without actually even establishing that that's what they're doing. And this isn't some throwaway script that some no-name did. I mean, this is Rick Berman and Brand Bragg writing this. This episode is so bad, I'm amazed it is not directed by LeVar Burton. That truly is a perfect way to encapsulate how bad it is. I, I want to jump back to that. LeVar level bad. <laughs> like, the, normally this would be a, a turkey that they would dump on him. Jumping back to that quote I opened up with, Berman, there is no excuse for a Frankie, no excuse. This was an act of desperation. I hate it. It's got to be Berman pushing these fucking episodes. It has to be. If this is spanning or the studio, Deep Space Nine. It's the studio saying you got to do more things than we know. You, you put Ferengi in it. Like this is why they went so hard on the Klingon stuff in episode one. Remember, like we had to make sure that shit people know. Yeah, but it's it, it's shitty, though. Yeah, it's, it's not even no, good. Yeah. I don't. Nobody's nobody's asking for these fucking episodes. I've never seen someone be like, man, I really my favorite episodes are false prophets acquisition and then some fucking DS nine episodes Profit that are, and lace. Yeah. Some DS nine uh, episode. Yeah. It's just, it's gotta be Berman for brand Braggaw to be like this fucking sucked. And it was a big mistake. 
quote, I hated it. It's got to be Berman. Um, so, yeah, Archer and Trip and uh, to Paul. Yeah, they'll they'll basically run little separate ops to fuck with these guys. You see, Trip early on set up like this lock outside of it was the big uh, woo woo uh oh for foreboding feeling lock they put on uh, Daniel's quarters after he got time fragged. That is correct. And, you know, there's like a setup that they do where he and Trip have an argument and like T'Pol's like fucking with them, like taking their shit and making them argue with each other. And like T'Pol eventually like ear masturbates Jeffrey Combs before. That was he- the worst part of this episode. <laughs> and it was hard to pick a, an exact worst part. But like when he's like. I'm a simpleton. Jack me off. And again, knowing the entire time, she could have just walked through all four of these guys on her own, just fucking popped them on the neck. Boom, 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 boom. Is this, this isn't the first time we've seen her neck pinch someone, right? No, honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember if... No, she did it to Mayweather back on uh, Reefer Madness Planet. That's right, yes. I'm trying. I'm looking up to see when when um, the first time she does it on Enterprise. Yep, that was it. It was Reefer Madness Planet. She may as well just be drunk in this episode. The way she acts is so off character and and silly. They they should have made her sick with something and not in the right headspace. So, yeah, he's like, oh, baby, jerk off my ears. You're so hot. And then she plays along for a while, really leans into this whole like sex slave. Get me off of this ship. They're so mean, please. Knocks him out, takes the keys. Meanwhile, all over their ship, these fucking like presumably heavy ass torpedoes are just strewn about like uh, pool noodles. Those those I mean, foam they're, pool. They're, they're about as useful as that. So <laughs> they even the Frank even fucking say look low grade weapons. Even talk shit about how mm-hmm. bad the torpedoes are. <laughs> yeah, like oof, oof. But yeah, they they run their little ops. They eventually like lead them into a room where T'Pol literally just shoots all three of them. Like that's the, that's the final, that's the final takedown. T'Pol ends up taking all four of them down herself, you know, and, and all of the shit that Archer does is basically just to like learn about them and without learning their name. Yeah. Somehow Denver asks their name and like, he seems to be trying to win over Jeffrey Combs, but he's never really won over. And he gets a got because he wants to Paul to ear masturbate him, which she does very briefly, but she does do it. She doesn't completely blue ball him, you know, so got that going for him. And then uh, once they finally uh, like, you know, have him put all the shit back, they're like, we never want to see you again. Hey, you skipped over the point where they uh, talk to the dog. That is like the only actual funny scene where they're like yelling at the dog. Like, do you understand? It's like barking at them. And they're like, we can't translate it. Like, oh, they've never seen a dog before. And eventually they figure out it's it's an animal. And, you know, like maybe it's food. And he's they adorable. Put, well, they, they should have said, like, maybe it's like the Klingons and they eat their dogs. I They put Porthos in a crate. Man, what <laughs> would Archer have been so forgiving if he had opened up that airtight crate and found his dog dead in there? It was a four dead Ferengi. 
I'm just saying <laughs> if someone killed my dog, they would not. <laughs> if some Ferengi killed my dog, they would not be making it back to their shitty little shuttlecraft. <laughs> if I opened any container where a dog had been kept and there was poops in there, they would be getting killed. <laughs> I wouldn't kill them if like, you know, my dog Severus, you know, if I was Archer and he was in a in the case, but he caught out and he was okay, but he had pooped in the case. I would I would not kill them. I would just make them clean it. You know, like before you leave, <laughs> you're going to, here's a brush. <laughs> you have a problem. So <laughs> like, you did this and my dog's going to watch you while you do it. And he's going to, he's not, he's going to be very disappointed in you. It's awful. There needed to be a reason why they knew that these guys were low threat and they wanted to just fuck with them to Paul should have been objecting the entire time that this is a bad plan. Mm-hmm. And that they're needlessly endangering the crew that these guys could have turned evil very easily or like, you know, a legit space threat could have popped up while they were all incapacitated by this. The fact that knockout gas knocked the entire fucking crew out when they're all behind hermetically sealed doors mm-hmm. in a spaceship that's designed to not completely explode the moment that like, you know, the atmosphere escapes from one deck like. I was excited when I saw that Jeff Combs was going to be on this. I thought Shran was going to yeah, come in like, show up and save them, right? Like and, that. and beat the fuck out of these clowns. But that didn't happen. By the end, to Paul or yeah, to Paul comes in. She's got the. They've already solved the problem. The Frangier are knocked out, and she's got the keys for Archer's handcuffs. And he's like feeling all sexy, tied up and helpless. And he's like, "Oh, hey, cool, unlock me." And then she's like. You said that, you know, we're boring and that we're not. You, you said mean things about us while you're trying to talk the guy out of taking me as a slave bride. And I he's like, I'll make it up to you. And she's like, how? And he's like, five bars of gold. It's it's such a it goes back to what you were saying before about like this. Goofy old guy trying to be young and cool baby boomer humor. Like, oh, your wife found out that you said she's the ball and chain. Oh, you're really in for it now. <laughs> it's also part of the continuing the continuing drama of they had not figured out if Paul should be banging Trip or banging Archer. So, like, this is them flirting. I it's terrible. And it's like, it's so obvious why, like. Colin Trenier and Jolene Blaylock have chemistry. They have it. They clearly need to be the two that are together for their, for their characters. That is dead ass obvious, but they had not figured out from a script writing perspective, which of these they needed to go with. And so you have this like weird, awkward flirting moment. I'm so done talking about this. <laughs> like, what this, was this the was worst bad. episode of Star Trek? This piece of shit or false prophets. Oh, false prophets is worse because of the fundamental fail against Voyager's premise. That will always be worse because it required Voyager to punt so ridiculously hard at every possible decision tree to put themselves in a position where they do not go home. And that was so badly constructed and written and executed on that. I can never think that that's not the worst, you know, this is bad in a much more uh, generic way. 
And it is bad. This is to me is the by far the worst episode of the season so far. Not close, not close at all. But against False Prophets, a show that basically breaks Voyager's entire like reason for being, nah, not close. That's not close either. I the only thing I can do to bridge the gap and try and put this closer to the False Prophets goalpost is that Enterprise had been consistently good up to this point. By the time we got False Prophets, there had been some just miserable, awful episodes of Voyager. So like False Prophets, I could say, well, this is par for a certain course that we get frequently out of the Voyager writing room, whereas this is just left field in terms of how fucking bad it was. Yeah, like what's the desperation, man? Like, did you just not have a 26 fucking idea? You know, like you only had 25 scripts and you're just like, I need one more. Did you lose a bet? Yeah, like, what was the desperate circumstance that led you to make this this particular episode? And then, you know, you like, you brought in all these ringers to try and, like, fucking build this thing up in a way that you can actually, like, make something quality. And it just turns out to be a farce that's all the more worse because you wasted Jeff Combs and Ethan Phillips. Ethan and Phillips. Clint, Clint Howard while you were doing it. Unexcusable. So what do we watch next week that will hopefully not be cleanse the palate? Yeah, like let's see I, here. Not inexcusable. Let's hope. We're going into season one, episode twenty, Oasis, and there is a blonde lady who might be Kess. I don't know if we just had Ethan Phillips. <laughs> She's talking to uh, Trip while exploring a crashed vessel on a desolate planet. The Enterprise crew is haunted by some ghostly figures and they encounter an alien race that has survived despite insurmountable odds. Trips helps repair their derelict vessel and is befriended by Liana, an attractive humanoid alien who develops feelings for him. Never, uh, never befriending the ugly humanoid alien females. I notice. Yeah, that's not how they roll here. I remember this episode pretty well. I'm sad to say that I'm not sure how much of a a palate cleanse it is. It has an interesting premise and it does have a major guest star. But yeah, I'm not not sure if it's going to necessarily wash the stink out of our mouths, my friend. I'm I'm very sorry. Why are they hiding all the garbage at the back? Why is there even garbage in the season one? Again, you've got next gen DS9 voyager bringing here you should understand what works what does not work how are you making stuff i mean obviously they, they've cleaned up a lot of it a lot of these episodes do work um but for these duds to start popping off now or do they feel like maybe they've got some breathing room to try some new stuff not that the fucking frangie episode's a new thing that's that's tried and true trash i forget did you say that uh false prophets is well received in any corners of the internet no. No Why? one likes that fucking. Why episode. make another one of these fucking things? Why? And, you know, it's, it's funny too because, like, as much time as you've spent focusing on how this breaks continuity, normally I get all bent out of shape. Like, I could care less about when the Federation technically met the Ferengi. Like, it's just buried under so much more egregious shit. <laughs> yeah, like it, that. That is definitely like the the part I would be willing to forgive the most. Like I'm very prepared for that to part 
to, to be part ways with that if it's in service of something interesting. And they just don't even rise to anything remotely close to acceptable. They treat this hostage situation with the gravity <clears throat> that Paris treated the Tuvok Chakotay mutiny video game. In fact, I would say even less because he was very motivated to understand how it is it came to be and to finish it. If um, this the, was a simulation, this this would have been an okay episode. Like, what's the goofiest way you could beat the game to get the most unlocks? Well, hopefully we can uh, find a way past this garbage and into greatness next week. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to Vija, please. And if you can, check out our Patreon if that is of interest to you. As I said, some exclusive episodes that are up there for your enjoyment, should you desire to join us there. And if not, no big deal. You know what? You can help us out by sharing or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to your shows. Thanks so much. See you next week. <laughs>